This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. You made it out this morning. I welcome if you're a guest. We're glad to have you with us. If you're watching by live stream, glad you're here too. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up real high and our ushers would get you a Bible. I know we do this every service, but I believe it's very important that you see the scriptures. And again, my saying is, you get in the Word, and God will get into you. So once you've got a Bible, go with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 16. That's where we'll begin this morning, Proverbs 16. And so, you know, many times in our life, we, we live in certain areas with an expectation. So let me give you a little illustration of what I'm talking about. Uh, if I mention the word fair, there would be an immediate expectation. And we're just coming off the fair here, so... When I say fair, many of you immediately, your mind goes to a funnel cake. Some of you, your mind would go to, man, I, I got an expect, I got to get one of those corn dogs. I would die for one of those corn dogs for rides. But let me ask you this question. When you hear the word church, is there any expectation? So the reason I ask you that is early, early this morning, the Lord just Almost like he asked me that. Do you have any expectations today? And my thought was this. Heaven has to have an expectation. God didn't wake up here on Sunday morning and elbow Jesus and say, oh, crud, it's Sunday morning. God doesn't do that. God has an expectation. You know what God's expectations are? That people get saved. That people get healed. People get set free. And so I, I say that to stir us. That I believe as a church, we must, we must move in that area that I just don't come to church. I come to church with an expectation. And so it'll change the way you are. And I believe this morning that the Word of God will place an expectation with you so much that it'll draw you to the altars here at the end. So we're going to begin here in Proverbs 16. But just a couple thoughts to get us going. If we go back to the beginning of time with Adam and Eve in the garden, we know that they made a horrible choice in the garden, and many refer to it as the fall of mankind. So when we talk about the fall of mankind, sometimes we'll say it was sin. But literally, when I look at what happened in the garden with Adam and Eve, what would be the definition of what they did? I believe the greatest definition of that would be they didn't obey God. They just didn't obey God. Now, where I'm going with that is we've been in this series here on the fear of the Lord. In Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13, Solomon said, this is the conclusion. This is it. Fear God and obey his commands. So when I fear God, it, it moves me into a place in my life where I want to obey God. And, and many times I think that we have the thought with the fear of God, God's mad at me. God's not mad at you, okay? God's not got this Texas-sized fly swatter and he's ready to swat you. Now, that's not how God is. That's not what this is talking about, okay? But the fear of God is to reverence God. It's to stand in awe of God. So we begin, and we're going to give you another definition. Proverbs 16, verse 6. In mercy and in truth, now, I, I marked the word in. 
in mercy. That means something's got to happen on the inside of me. So when we talk about the word mercy, the best definition I can give you for mercy is mercy. It says, I don't get what I deserve. Man, I, I, some of you ought to shout it for that. You better be glad you don't get what you deserve. I'm, I'm included in that. I, I welcome mercy. But he said, in mercy and truth. Now, this morning, we're ultimately going to get to a passage of, of truth that talks about only the truth will set you free. So there's something that happens when I live in mercy and I live in truth. And then he goes on to say, atonement is provided for iniquity. Now, the word atonement is not a word that we hear very often, but the word atonement literally means to purge. It, it talks about the only way I'm purged or forgiven is through the blood of Jesus. So the blood of Jesus, it, it, it covers my iniquities. Something happens with the blood of Jesus, and so how that begins to look, I must be a person that repents of my sin. Not just once, all the days of my life. So he said, atonement is provided for iniquity. And by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. Because the fear of God, it will deflect evil in my life. So we could say it this way. By the fear of law enforcement... It keeps me from speeding. Hmm. That's what the fear of God does. When I live with the reverential fear of God, I say, Father God, I, I want to please you. I, I want to live for you, not just in my public life, but I, I want to live with a reverential fear in my private life, where the only one that knows what's going on is me and you. Man, it's so powerful. So turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. Just to, right there to your right, the very next book of the Bible there. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Now again, this is a part of scripture that I've highlighted. And I begin to see the fear of God in here. And so we start here in Ecclesiastes 8 verse 10. Then I saw the wicked buried. I saw the wicked, they were praised and they were honored. Who had come and gone from the place of holiness. So diving into this, they frequented the church, the house of God. So it shows me in here, even though they were wicked, they showed up to church periodically. And so when I read into this somewhat, it's like they were pretenders. Uh, to me, it's the 11th commandment. And some of you say, I didn't know there was 11 commands. Yeah, the 11th commandment says, thou shalt not kid thyself. So when I read this, one of the things I want us to get today real clearly is I must look at life through the lens of eternity. The reason I say, you're going to die, okay? You're gonna, this may be a huge revelation to say, you're going to die, okay? When? I don't know. But if you're, long, if you're around long enough before Jesus comes up, this is what's going to happen. And so right here, he's talking about the wicked they're buried. 
He goes on to say, and they were forgotten in the city where they had so done or they had done so much. The place where they had done so much wickedness and evil. But he ends and he says, this is also vanity. The reason it talks about this as vanity is all these evil and wicked things they did, they were useless. The message, I believe it's the message or the amplified, it says, they didn't escape doom. In other words, there's going to be a thing called eternity and it's going to happen. And when you look at all this, these people live life like, I'll either live forever or everybody makes it to heaven. And, and when I say, you know, everybody makes it to heaven, that, that's literally a bunch of BS. That's Britney Spears, okay? Relax. <laughs> Easy, okay? Don't say pastor's gone crazy on us. There is a reality to this. Keep reading with me. Verse 11. Because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. So when an evil work or a crime is committed and it's not executed quickly with judgment, what happens? Therefore, the hearts of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. So what does this mean? So as a human being, when I get away with what I look at doing evil or wicked and it doesn't seem like there's any immediate judgment or consequences, I, I, I'm okay with it. God's okay with it. God's not okay with it. And it's interesting, he says, the heart of man is fully set in them to do evil. This is very dangerous when I think just because I'm not met with immediate judgment, I can commit murder? Uh-uh. Verse 12. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times, any of you ever done evil a hundred times? Yeah, I hope you're honest with that one. And his days are prolonged. It seems like he lives a long time on the earth, even though he's done evil and evil and evil. Yet I surely know that it will be well with those who fear God. Now it's interesting his statements here. I, I know it will be well with those who fear God. So to me, I'm reading into this a little bit, but I think he's saying those ones who continue to sin and they never repent and turn from it, not going to be good. Yet I surely know that he will be well with those who fear God, who fear before him, who fear him openly. Now again, I said we must look at life through the, the lens of eternity. In James 4.14, James wrote this. 
Life is but a vapor. I'm here and I'm gone. And when you're young, you have the thought, I'm invincible, I'm going to live forever. But the older you get, the more you begin to realize life is a vapor. It's fast. It goes just like that. And in comparison to eternity, I need to pay attention to this. Can I remind you, eternity is forever. And your reservations for eternity are going to be in one of two places. Hmm. Verse 13. But it will not be well with the wicked. Nor will he prolong his days which are as a shadow. Because he does not fear before God. He does not worship before God. So what happens here is sin causes us to get off track, to deviate. A better definition of sin is I'm going my way instead of God's way. Now, it was real interesting to me off of verses 12 and 13. Remember, he said, God's going to take care of the righteous. But the wicked, they're going to get theirs. So this is cross-reference to the, the book of Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25 verse 34 says, And those who are on the right hand will experience everlasting life. But those on the left hand, this is Matthew 25, 41, they will be in everlasting fire or tor torment. So again, it's telling us this is reality. Now, that doesn't mean if you're right-handed, you're going to heaven. If you're left-handed, you're going to heaven. That's not what that's talking about, okay? But what I begin to see in all this is if I'm not careful, I exchange what appears like a short-term positive for a long-term negative. In other words, that short-term 60, 70, 80, 90. If you're going to hang out with me, it'll probably be about 120 years. Still very short in comparison to eternity. Turn with me to the book of John chapter 8. John chapter 8. So again, you begin to see just another touch of the fear of God in here. And woo, as we navigate through the word of God here today, man, I, I pray that you begin to, to welcome the fear of God in ways that you never have. John chapter 8, verse 31, this is the Lord Jesus speaking. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him. Now, I want to I highlight something, those Jews who believed in him. So what Jesus writes here was addressed to believers. You see this? To those who believed in him. If... You may mark if in your Bible, okay? You may want to circle if because if means it's a choice. Here's one of my proverbs for if. If if and buts were candy and nuts, what a merry Christmas we'd have. That's not a real proverb. I said that's one of my proverbs, okay? If. Now watch what he says. If you abide in my word... 
If you stick with my word, if you continue in my word, if you embrace my word, if you live by my word, watch this. You are my disciples indeed. So how would I be revealed as a disciple of Jesus? Not just to know about the word of God, but to actually abide in it, to actually live in it, to actually do the word of God. Verse 32, and you shall know the truth. Now, this is an interesting statement, okay? It's one thing to know about the truth. It's another thing to know the truth. Listen to some of the definitions of the word know here. And as I'm reading this, does this describe you? It means to perceive, to understand. To recognize, to gain knowledge. Here's a good one. The word know means to progress. Not regress, but to progress. And an attainment. It is a truth that is by a personal experience. In other words, there ought to be some signs in your life. And I'm not preaching perfect, okay? The only person that was ever perfect was Jesus, and he was crucified for that. But there should be some progress in me. Let me ask you something. Is there any progress in you? Do you realize there's there progress in you? That's a good thing. So he said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, this is what the Lord Jesus said. But the only way I'm made free is I've, I've got to know what the Word of God, and I must progress in the Word of God. Sometimes people won't have the things of God work in their life like it's supposed to, and they get mad at God. It's like, why didn't this happen, and this happened, and this happened? Could it not happen? Because you didn't abide in the truth? So literally what the Lord Jesus is telling us, verse 32 doesn't happen if I don't obey verse 31. I want to abide in the word. I want to obey you, Father God. How many of you in here, have anybody in here, have you ever been set free by the word of God, by the truth, by abiding? I have. I've seen what the word of God would do if you just stay with it, if you just continue in it. Just day by day by day, God's word will work. Verse 33. So they, who's the they? The Jews who believed. He's talking to believers still. They answered Jesus. We are Abraham's descendants. So you know what they're doing? They're throwing their ancestral lineage before Jesus. Hey, hey. We're descendants of Abraham. You know, that, that would be like me and you saying, do, do you know who my mom is? Did you know who my uncle is? But ancestral lineage here, when I read about this, it doesn't guarantee me nothing. You know why I say that? Because there's not grandchildren in heaven. Just children. Just children. Just children of God. All of us are just children of God. We are Abraham's descendants. Now listen to this. We have never been in bondage to anyone. 
Now, I don't know if you've ever studied the history of the Jews. We've never been in bondage to anyone. Well, if I read my Bible correctly, weren't you in bondage in Egypt for 400 years? It's almost comical when I read this, but it's very similar to us that we can look at people and say, you know what, I, I got a little problem with this or this, but I wouldn't call it bondage. I've only been doing it for 30 years. That's bondage. And so they said, we've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say we'll be made free? That's interesting what he says here. I believe he's telling them, this is a result of you not abiding in the word of God. Because he said, you abide in the word of God, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So he tells us something right there. There's freedom in the word of God, but you got to abide with it. Verse 34, now watch this. This is powerful, powerful. Jesus answered them, most surely I say to you, whoever commits sin, he's a slave of sin. You become a bondage to sin, a dead-end life. Now, in my life, in the ministry for years now, I, I witness individuals that come in here. I, I witness entire families that come in here. And I've seen that when just an individual or family begins to comprom compromise the Word of God in just a smidgen. In just an area of life. And they continue to live by compromising the word of God. They get all goofed up. And it's this spiritual chain reaction that's almost like, you know what? I can live however I want and God's good with it. Now, of course, when we say that, we tag it at the end with, in Jesus' name. So in essence, we're saying, you know what? All I got to do is say in Jesus' name, everything's okay. But it's interesting here. He said, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. So what happens in this area of sin? We start dabbling in it. And sin has the ability to have this snowball effect. But what happens is we begin to dabble in this sin of in, our, in, in our life and our conscience begins to scream at us in a nonverbal language. Our, our conscience begins to scratch our heart with this inward yuck. Now, I don't know if it's ever happened to you. I believe it's happened to every one of us. It would be like this, that after church, I go down here to a 7-Eleven, and I see a Butterfinger, and I grab it, and I don't have no money, but I think, you know what? I'm going to take it anyway. I'm going to do a little five-finger discount. You know what would happen? Your heart or your conscience in a nonverbal way would begin to that yuck on the inside and say, don't do it. Don't do it. You know what this literally is, what he's talking about? This is John 16, verse 8. It says, the Holy Spirit was sent to convict us of our sin. 
To convict me of sin is not to beat me up. It's not for the Holy Spirit to drag me through the mud. But the Holy Spirit does this to get us to a place to repent. Proverbs 28, 13 says, What will ultimately happen? One of two things. You'll either conceal your sin. You'll override it. You'll overlook it. Or you'll confess your sin. But what happens with human nature is the more we override our conscience, that verbal move in my heart, that yuck, if I continue to override it and I continue to sin and that sin starts out, I just begin to dabble in it, but I start doing it more frequently and more frequently until it becomes a part of my everyday life. This is what my heart ultimately looks like. It goes hard. Doesn't mean you can't ever come back to God, but my heart goes hard the more I conceal my sin. So the ultimate thing is with my sin is that I repent. And I'm like, Father God, I blew it again. And I confess my sin and I ask him to forgive me and I ask me to cleanse him. Do you know the word repent has the meaning of this? To do a 180. Father God, help me. Because if I don't, I become a slave to sin. Does that describe you? Does that describe me? I don't know if you've ever prayed this, but I pray, John 16a. I say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you to convict me of sin. I welcome it. You know why? Because if you go back to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, the thing that broke their relationship with God wasn't just sin, but he gave them an opportunity to repent of their sin. And you remember what they did? We don't remember, Pastor. Tell us. Okay, I'm going to tell you. He gave Adam the opportunity. Remember what Adam said? It's that woman you gave me. that woman and not only it's that woman you gave me in other words I take no responsibility and then remember he goes to Eve and Eve looked and said the devil made me do it so you're telling me the devil run around poking you in the rear making you do that see something happens in the air of repentance when I get over and I take full responsibility for my choices, my actions, and my behaviors. I blew it, Father God. Something will happen when we'll respond to God this way. I believe when I look at all this, that part of this goes back to the fear of God. That the fear of God says, I want to stay right with you, Father God. Now, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews the rest of this morning. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews 2. Now, as you're turning there, we, we were on this, this verse here a month ago, six weeks. These are some things that God just began to stir within me. So we're going to go over three passages here. Hebrews 2, verse 1. Therefore, we, we must give the more earnest heed, all the more careful attention to the things we've heard. I got to bite into the word. I got to stay with the word. It's crucial like here that we keep firm grip on the word of God and the truth. 
Why is it important? Because look what he says. Lest we drift away. The word of God becomes the anchor in my life. If I don't allow the word of God to be the anchor in my life, I begin to drift away from the things of God. Now listen, listen real close. For you to drift away from the word of God, you know what that tells me? You would have had to start with the word of God at one time in your life. So who do you think he's talking to here? The drift can happen. I'll drift away. Think about the drift in this sense. If you've ever been on a lazy river, you get on that inner tube, and you know what you do? You be lazy. You don't do nothing. And all of a sudden, you start going all over the place without doing nothing. This is exactly what he's talking about with us. If I don't purposefully live the Word of God and trust the Word of God and anchor my life to the Word of God, you're going to drift. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Does that describe you right now? Have I drifted from the course that God has set for me? Turn two pages or two chapters to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 1. Therefore, since the promise remains of entering his rest... Now, what's he talking about here? Of entering his rest. He's telling me there's a promise of still around to this day of entering his rest. You know what entering his rest here? I can have confident faith that God will do precisely what he said he'd do. It brings a rest within me to think. If I'll just live the word of God, God's going to take care of me. This this rest that comes from obeying him, just this confident faith. Now listen to what he says here. Why is this so important? Let us fear. Let us fear God. Why would I need to fear God? Because he goes on and says, lest any of you have come short of it. You have become disqualified. You've failed to experience this. And so I go all the way back to, to Proverbs 16 6. The fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. So what he's telling me here, Don't lose the lens or the scope of eternity, okay? Don't become disqualified. Hebrews 12. To your right just a little bit. Now, I believe right now this this passage of Scripture is going to locate us, okay? Verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. You know what this is talking about? This is talking about the veterans or the pioneers of faith that are in heaven. 
And, and you know what they're doing right now? They're looking over the balcony of heaven at you. And they're cheering you on. Run. Run, Gloria. Run. Fight. Fight for the kingdom of God. Fight the good fight of faith. They're cheering us on. Keep reading. Let us lay aside every weight. Every weight that would sever my relationship with God. Let us lay aside every weight. I have to make room for God. So sometimes in my life, something has to move out for God to move in. And I believe the weight of life, number one, is your friends. Do the friends you run with, do they lead you to Jesus or do they lead you to smoke the peace pipe? You run with the snakes, you're going to get bit. Some of you in this room need to throw Jonah overboard. I like Jonah. But every time you get with Jonah, you're on the verge of losing life. You're addicted to stupid people. No, I didn't mean to say that. I'm going to tell you right now. Every person in this sanctuary right now that has served God for very long in their life has had to get rid of the Jonas in their life. Raise your hand. I got through Jonah out. I got to get rid of Jonah. Every time I get around Jonah, I spend the night in jail. <laughs> Pastor, you spent the night in jail? Yes, my mom's in here, okay? I break her heart every time I remind her of that. Let's move on. <laughs> your friends. Another weight that I believe is huge is my activities. That I can get so busy in this thing called the world that I move God out. Are there activities in your life right now that are a weight? I believe the Holy Spirit will convict some of you right now to say you got to quit. And the last one is my addictions that become nothing but a weight. They squeeze the life of God out of me. This is an incredible verse here. And every what? But he doesn't stop there. And then he says, and sin. What is sin? Anytime I disobey God's commandments. So you got some sin in your life. And what's the problem with sin? He says, which so easily ensnares us it entangles us it clings to us and so what sin does it moves God out and it moves in do you know what my Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of his glory all of us not me pastor you're breaking the 11th commandment again okay thou shalt not kid thyself 
So when I see the word sin, all I can do with my sin is repent of it. Father God, I repent of my sin. I repent of missing it. I ask you to forgive me, but look how he ends this verse. And let us run. Let us run. Notice he didn't say, and let us sit in our high chair the rest of our life. He said, let us run, how? With endurance, the race that's set before us. And if you notice the word endurance, you know what endurance means? It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be a piece of cake. I, I may be stretching my faith here just a little bit. But if I was to say, okay, after church, we're going to go out in the parking lot and we're all going to run a 50-yard dash. That's why I'm stretching my faith a little bit, okay? We'd all say, I, I can make it 50 yards. I can do that. But if I said after church, we're all going to go for a little 10-mile run, I'm out. I'm out. But see, God's not into sprint. He's into a marathon. And I'll tell you that there's days that it is a work. There's days as a believer, it's an uphill climb. But that's why I stay with the Word of God, and I stay anchored to the Word of God. And I'm going to serve God on good days, bad days, sad days, mad days. I'm going to serve God. Last passage. Start with me. Same chapter, chapter 12, verse 25. See that you do not refuse him or refuse to listen to him who speaks. Now, I'm going to fill in the blank here. Keep reading. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on the earth, which was Moses. This is who this is talking about. The Israelites wouldn't listen to Moses. Much more shall we not escape if we turn from him who speaks from heaven. You won't even listen to men or women of God here on earth. You're going to miss heaven. Verse 26. Whose voice then shook the earth. This was when Moses went on Mount Sinai. Man, the earth began to shake. But now he has promised saying, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but I will also shake heaven. Now listen real close to this. Now this, now this expression, yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of those things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. So you know what he's saying? Everything on this earth that can be shaken, it's going to be shaken. So you know what remains? Only the eternal things, the things that can't be shaken. Can I give you a little insight? God's kingdom can't be shaken. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will remain forever. Keep reading. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken... If I'm to receive a kingdom that can be, cannot be shaken, 
Man, I, I got to grab hold of the Word of God. I got to grab hold of the Lord Jesus. But look at his next phrase here. Let us have grace. Let us have grace. Now, listen to how the Word of God describes what grace is. Let us have grace by which we may serve God. Grace is to serve God. Grace is not for me to live however I want and think God's okay with it. And I say that right now because there's a lot of teachings that say, you can live however you want because that's kind of God graces us. That's not true. The Bible said he graces us so we may serve him. Many times people look at his grace as a license to sin. I don't need a license to sin. I do well enough without a license. A grace to serve him. Now watch. To serve him acceptably. You know what that means? I want to please you, Father God. I want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to please, I want to be acceptable to you, Lord, that that my worship and my praise is from my heart. I I don't want to be just a going through the motions, Christian. I want to be the real, I want it to be pure and acceptable. With reverence. I worship you, Father God. I worship you, Lord Jesus. I honor you today. And look how he ends. And godly fear. And godly fear. Wow. See, I believe all those others that go before are a result of godly fear. When I godly have a godly fear for him, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna worship him. I'm gonna praise him. I, I, I'm gonna be pure and acceptable to him. I welcome the fear of God. Not only in my public life, but even in my private life. And I'm gonna ask you to stand up. Ooh, you got a lot of things on the fear of God today. Proverbs 16, 6. Right there in Ecclesiastes 8. And then again, we find it here. And I had a woman here, the first service, who watches most of the time online. She said, can I talk to you just a second? And I said, yeah. She said, this series has changed my life. She said, I didn't know what was going on, but I was off just a little bit. And she said, the reverential fear of God has moved me back into a a, a line that I, I didn't know I could ever be on. So now I'm gonna ask you to bow your head on those thoughts. fear of the Lord one departs from evil I, I don't know if that statement right there in Proverbs 16 6 is attractive to you 
it's really attractive to me. The fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. What a prayer, Lord. I welcome that. Then we go back to Ecclesiastes 8. Are you a pretender? I don't want to be a pretender. I want to be real. I want to be authentic. And then we go back to to John 8. And the Lord said, I want to set you free. I don't want you to be a slave to sin. I'm no longer a slave to sin. And I highlight these because I believe this is the Lord, that he'll begin to move with you right now. And if you sense something in your heart that's convicting you, that's that's God. That's the Holy Spirit. You know, in my Bible in Mark 16, 20, it says God's desire is to confirm his word with signs following. Are we open to that? Now we jump to Hebrews 2. Have you drifted? Have you drifted from the things of God? Have you lost your confident faith? And then I jump back to the one we just read. I I, I need your grace to serve you, Father God. And I ask you today to, to download within my heart that I serve you acceptably with reverence and the fear of God. Wow, it's powerful. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. And here on this first Sunday in October, if you don't know Jesus as Lord today, I welcome you to get out of your seat right there where you're at and you make this way. I'm going to go a little deeper on that. If you've pretended, if you've played games with God, how about this? Have you drifted? If any of those are are touching your heart right now, I, I welcome you to get out of your seat and come forward and say, that's me. I, I, I need the Lord Jesus today in my heart. I I need something to take place here today. Come on, I see you. We're going to clap for you. (laughs) Thank you for your courage. The reason I said that is the Lord Jesus said this. Thank you, ma'am. Just stay right here. Stay right here. I was talking to her. We got them still coming. You're not too late. Remember what the Lord said? He said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. But if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before the Father. I'm going to tell you right now what takes place is the robe of pride is pulled off of you when you walk these aisles. But you know what? Anybody in here who's ever been born again, I've walked the aisle. And you know what? I'll tell you right now, I'll walk the aisle again today. So if that's you today, I'm going to be like an auctioneer, going once, going twice. Come on. Come on, Bobby. Come on. I I can tell you, God God loves you, okay? God loves you. 
He still takes messes and makes miracles only when we respond to him. Anybody else? Well, I'm going to ask anyone on our prayer team if they would come down here and stand behind these. Just want to put a hand on you. We believe in you. We believe what you did. We believe on October 2nd of 2022, you had an encounter with God that it's going to change you eternally, okay? That, that our prayers today is that your name becomes registered in heaven. Ooh, that's attractive to me right there. So I'm going to ask everybody in this house right now, even you online, right there in your living room, I want you to bow your head. I want you to say with, with me, Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. of my bad choices of the things I've done in my life that have disobeyed you I ask you Lord Jesus to forgive me I ask you to cleanse me from all unrighteousness and Lord Jesus I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. Thank you today for saving me. In Jesus' name. Ooh, we probably ought to do some clapping on that. You know, the whining sang this years ago. Millions didn't make it. But I was one of the ones who did. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. So as we're standing here, I, I don't want the rest of you not have an opportunity to respond to God. If you got some weights that you said, Lord, I'm going to lay those weights right here at your feet today. If your life is entangled with sin, like he said, I'm going to bring, I'm going to come down here. I'm going to lay those at the feet of Jesus. If you desire right now a touch of heaven, that his grace would come upon you to serve him and that you would acceptably, reverently, and fear him, I welcome you to come forward. They're going to sing. And come on, let's respond to him today in Jesus' name. Go ahead. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.